AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Chris Hutchins. Chris is the VP and Chief Data and Analytics Officer for Northwell. Chris, welcome to the show. JP, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to talk to you today. No, it's our pleasure. I've been very much looking forward to this one. Chris, so let's start with yourself. Give us a, a background of your journey, how you first got involved in technology, some of the roles you've held along the way, taking us up to the here and now, uh, leading things at Northwell. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, had an unbelievable good fortune and, and been able to, to learn from some of the fantastic leaders in my career. Had unbelievable opportunities. I think the, the very first interaction I had in, in introduction in the healthcare and space was um, through my mom. You know, she worked at a, at a local hospital in the radiology department, uh, and she was able to you know, get me get me on working part-time during school and summer times and vacations and things of that nature. And that's what really kind of got me hooked into the whole idea of supporting the healthcare sector um, from a non-clinical perspective. Every physician that I've ever worked with, I've seen that passion for helping people in them. And so that really inspired me to figure out how can I help support that? How can I make those interactions more meaningful? How can I figure out whether it's using technology or data and analytics, how do I come behind them to support that and make it easier for them to do what they do. But over, over time, that led to other opportunities uh, where I started at one point working in a billing office. Honestly, I was providing the back-end support for a small practice that had a physician and a, and a PA. Uh, so I was actually doing the medical coding and keying the, the services into the billing system, sending out the bills, um, processing the payments, doing the patient follow-up, taking customer service calls or patient service calls, um, really learning about that part of the business. Um, the interesting evolution for me was the technology really started to become much more affordable and personalized at that point, where previously we were sending out magnetic tapes to send out claims, for example, <laughs> to insurance companies. I was there working at Dartmouth-Hitchcock when they came in with these PC-based um, applications that could process the data files and submit it electronically through modems. Um, but you know, it, it was just a, a sequence of opportunities that, that occurred that kind of got me hooked into it. So I was learning about you know how to program and how to map data sets um, into that technology platform. Um, that led to you know this period of time where my dad was working at Dartmouth College. Uh, he was working in a mailing service and he was starting to leverage databases uh, to, to really push out mailing labels and sort sort you know all kinds of sorting mechanisms that he developed in databases and that got me interested in databases so then I started to, to delve into that I bought myself a actually I bought an Osborne computer I don't know if you remember those so I, I used that for a while, just playing around and learned some real basic stuff. And then I, I bought my first Macintosh and uh, put FileMaker Pro on it because that's the application Dad was using at work. And I started to figure out that I could actually use that in my work. 
and I started developing tools that made my work much, much easier, automated a lot of different aspects of it, and that grew into more opportunity when my boss realized that I kept coming to him looking for more work, um, that I could help him really automate other things throughout the whole department. So one thing after another like that, and more opportunities came for me to just learn um, about technology. There's probably about a two or three year period I was working in, in a role there um, that was, I think it was a system support specialist is what the title was at the time. Um, and eventually that led to, make, led to me making a move to their Southern division, which is in Bedford, New Hampshire, where I continued to do that kind of work, learn to do system integrations. Uh, we were you know, buying some small practices at that point. And so I was having to figure out how to get data out of these various uh, practice management systems to convert them into the building systems that we were using there. Unbelievably fun and challenging time you know, in my career, uh, learning all of that. I learned with, better with my hands-on, and fortunately that was a scenario where I had to learn with my hands-on it because there were deadlines. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, that was a super fun time. Um, that opportunity led to me uh, being hired at Mass General Hospital a number of years after that. Yeah, so I began managing a financial analysis group, and at the time, I realized that they were keying a ton of information to all these reporting packages that were going out to the, the practices and the, the folks that were managing them. And there were probably close to 120, 130 different practices at that point in time. And I looked at that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are, you, you got to be kidding. I mean, I can guarantee you there's, there's bad numbers in there, and there's errors. When you're just keying that much information, and so that really began work that I did to you know, have work with the IT team to build extracts, to automate that, and put it into databases and start just pushing the data out. That way, uh, when you you have an error, it's a formula someplace that you can fix. It's not a keying error. Um, so doing some things like that that led to eventually having kind of starting a reporting reporting team. Uh, using application, also with some application developers. Um, I think the next stop in that after was uh, when we were, we started to do a a corporate uh, initiative to put in a new common um, billing system, and so that the, the the director of IT at that point moved over into a role to help you know really launch that project, and so they promoted me into that, and so it brought together my reporting and application development work along with the support of all the revenue cycle systems. Um, and I, I learned a lot there. Um, certainly the experience that I had, you know, working on the transaction editing system made me really familiar with the platforms that we were using. Um, but over time that just you know, created more and more opportunities. I at one point got a phone call said they were moving the data, data and analytics function underneath, under my, my oversight, um, that, that changed my role. Um, I became the, the deputy CIO uh, for the Mass General Physicians Organization. Uh, that involves you know, the management and oversight of the things that I just mentioned, all the data warehousing and analytics, and then also a, a lot of support for practice management from a logistics and planning standpoint. So I learned a lot about you know, the infrastructure and, and planning from a facilities standpoint you know, along the way in that. Um, then eventually that led to me taking a, a direct corporate director role at Partners Corporate, 
where I was responsible for a couple of different areas. Uh, we were implementing Epic systems at the time. Um, so I was responsible for uh, establishing a team to support the analytics and, and all the, build out all the, the support structure, um, it, it, as well as manage the implementation um, from that perspective. And then in parallel, I was responsible for uh, leading the, the strategic uh, implementation of our enterprise data warehouse there. Okay. Um, we had three different um, data warehouses that had a pretty significant amount of uh, historical data sets there. The analytics were maturing each of them independently. Um, we, we migrated them to a common platform uh, at that point in time. And that was probably one of the most fun things that I, that I was able to do while I was there. Uh, just be able, being able to work with multiple teams that previously didn't really have a lot of opportunity to work together and really deliver some value to the point where we were able to uh, deploy some pretty significant uh, applications on top of the, the data warehouse that generated revenue for the organization. Uh, and then as things settled down with well, the Epic implementation, uh, became part, kind of started to transition to uh, normal support mode. Um, I got the call to come down in Northwell. So, so thank you for that overview. Really great to hear about your journey, particularly how you started because it was somewhat a family affair, but also following your own curiosity around technology into data and how it's evolved over time. So now we're at Northwell and you have a, a pretty significant size role. So could you give us some insight into what your role involves and, and then we can talk about uh, some of the use cases because I'm really excited to to have you explain to us some of the great things you guys are doing with data. But let's start with what your role involves. In simple terms, as I try to explain it to, to my sons who have both asked me, I said, I don't know how to really be terribly descriptive about it in a way that someone will get that doesn't live in this world that I live in. Uh, so essentially, I'm being paid to listen to, to people and talk to them and exchange ideas, which seems like an interesting, a really weird thing to be paid to do. Um, but it, and that's in its simplest terms, of course. Um, but, but I do have a, a large team of people that, are, that have varying levels of expertise that, that help me to drive the strategy for the organization, um, which involves roadmap development, uh, coordination of, of uh, development activities, um, data governance function, priority setting for the organization. Um, I spend a pretty significant amount of time meeting with various executives, under, try to make sure that I understand what their business goals are, what the objectives are, and then try to translate that into action in terms of what my team needs to do to help support those things and make them, bring them to fruition. I understand. Um, I have a team of uh, database administrators, which is probably a little different than what a lot of organizations might have under the purview of a, a CDO or, 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 or chief data analytics officer. Um, but it does make things much, much easier for me in that they manage the majority of the data assets of the healthcare system. So all the databases and servers are things that they're, they're monitoring, they're doing the performance tuning, but also when I need to, to ingest data, they're right, right next to me and can turn that data flow on. Um, they also manage the access provisioning of, for all of those environments. Uh, but I have a team of data architects really responsible for the data structuring, the tuning of the, the data structures to make sure that we have you know, optimal performance. Um, that's really in partnership with the DBAs who have exceptional uh, experience in managing very, very large data. 
we have, gosh, just one of our EMRs um, is probably approaching 40 terabytes in size. Um, it, we're doing on an average, just in our clinical data sets right now, about four and a half billion updates on every morning, you know, the day before, um, which takes a, a lot of uh, a lot of smart people, much smarter than me, <laughs> to really make sure that that, that works. And of course, the, health, the data sets are always growing. We're adding to it, you know, just as everyone else in the world is seeing, like explosive growth in data, whether it's generated by social media, uh, YouTube videos, or what have you. The same thing's happening in the healthcare sector, but it's because we're actually broadening the, the amount of data, expanding it constantly that we're capturing. Now we're trying to really understand social determinants of health and how does understanding that impact how we can actually take better care of our communities. That's another set of data that has to come in and be captured. So, so you're talking about huge data sets. I think it's a good point to just to give some clarity on just how, how large Northwell are. Northwell are the largest uh, private employer in New York. Uh, yes. Almost 30,000 employees, 23 hospitals, and over 800 different outpatient facilities. So the, the number just surpassed 72,000 employees. 72,000. Wow, I was way off. Um, that's insane. <laughs> so e even within your own group, um, how many people through various different divisions are, are reporting into you either directly or indirectly? And could you give us a, an idea of, of what an org chart for such a large data function would look like? How does it all come together? Yeah, so I have probably somewhere roughly about 70 uh, FTEs at the moment. Okay. Um, that are that are reporting to me. They're local to the Long Island, uh, New York City area. Um, one actually is 100% remote. Everyone's 100% remote at this particular moment in time. But one actually was hired, understanding he would be remote. He works in, out of Ohio. I have some really key leaders that, that are that manage and you know, oversee operations. I have a senior director who really uh, oversees the the entirety of the operations uh, of, of the teams. So. We had, and he has a number of, uh, of managers that roll up to him. I also have another director who's responsible for our analytic resource center. Um, and that ultimately is also a role that is responsible for the, the data visualization and reporting aspects uh, of, of what we do in the team. Um, the senior director role, is, he really drives some of the most technical and optimization-oriented efforts that, that the teams do. Um, there is another director who is responsible for just our claims analytics. Uh, we have uh, risk contracts where I think the number is roughly about 700,000 covered lives represented in that claims data set. Um, we have a couple hundred million claims that his team is responsible to deliver analytics. Um, and those kind of get integrated with clinical data sets as well to be able to, to understand gaps in care and do care coordination efforts uh, through another arm of our organization that's really responsible for patient outreach. I have another manager who's responsible for data quality um, and data acquisition. Those, are, those things are under the same individual. So when we get the request to add new data sources to the, to the, the data warehouse environment, um, this, this manager is responsible to go and take a look at the data, do the actually do the, the profiling of it with some technology that we use to do that, to understand the completeness of the data fields, the, the elements that are, that, that are assumed to um, be most, most heavily relied on 
Um, oftentimes the values that are in some of these fields, there is some errant thinking. People think it's always used, think it's always populated, or they think it's always only three or four options. What we find out in the data profiling is what's really going on. And you know, if there's things that aren't cleaned up, we work with the, the source system um, at that point in time to try to get those things addressed before we ingest it into the data warehouse environment. Because the, the thing from in the healthcare space in particular, I always want to make sure that what's in the source systems is what we reflect in the data warehousing environment. Now, if we want to aggregate things and display them in a certain way, that's fine. But I want to make sure that, that my analytics environment doesn't make us vulnerable to audit. <laughs> So, so it just shows how complex, and I'm sure there's more to layer on when you take into account data ingestion requires data engineers to build pipelines, and, yes. and then for data visualization, you need a whole team of developers from front end UI UX right. to pure data visualization itself. Um, right. It's great to hear just how, how many different dedicated functions there can be, and right. there's a lot of talk about organizations having the digital transformation to become data focused, and I think Norwell are, are one of the leaders in this field within, within hospital and healthcare. Can you, as somebody who sits at the, the, the highest level overlooking all of these various different teams, could you talk about how you've seen it evolve in your time within healthcare, so how data has played such a pivotal role in impacting patient care and advancement of treatment. Yeah, that's, that's an area that I'm probably the most excited about, honestly, because when I started my journey, I never imagined that data analytics could actually have such direct impact, but, but it certainly has, has really transitioned to a place where it does. Um, and I think probably one of the keys to um, the, the success that you know that we're having is that our, our leadership had the foresight to put a clinical team in, inside of my group. Uh, so one of my colleagues, he's an ADT uh, for healthcare analytics, um, he's a physician and he's also an informaticist. And he leads the team that's really responsible for the clinical content, but also just overall data strategy uh, for, for the work that we do. Uh, understanding that our first and foremost mission is patient care. So. No one's coming to Northwell because we got great dashboards. They're just not. So I, for me, that's probably one of the most impactful decisions that could have been made because everything that we do is coming through that lens of patient care. And how do we do it better? How do we make it easier for the physician to make a good decision? Um, historically, they've only had access to their own recall for the patients that they've treated over the course of their career and what they can get through journals or other uh, professional networks that, that they may be part of. Um, we now have the ability to take data, just looking at the health system for an entire population center that roughly, I think we have probably about four and a half million unique patients uh, in the data history that we're, we're looking at now. Of course, that number grows all the time, but we've got years of, of history captured in the, in the, in the, uh, the details in the electronic medical records that, that help us to understand the things that have been really effective and the things that have not been effective. So if you think about it from a, just the whole concept of practicing medicine, uh, it's, I think it's kind of lost sometimes because people think that they just automatically should know what to do. Um, but practice is evolving constantly. They're le always learning, they're always discovering, they're always pushing the envelope to try to make, make a, a, a make a decision that gets a better outcome faster. Um, you know, 
always, always, always trying to make a, make a better decision. And so being able to harness this data and serve it up at the time when someone's face to face with, with hopefully, you know, one, if one of my loved ones, for example, is going to be in front of them. I want to make sure that I've given that physician every ounce of valuable data that can help them to make a good decision for my family. And that's the, the passion that, I, that we talk about, you know, among my leadership team. And as we talk to the whole team, this is what we're about. If we can make that decision making process easier and give them the most information, of course, relevant information, obviously, there's a million data points we could throw in front of them. But the key is understanding which ones are going to help them to make those decisions. I think that can't be understated enough, the, the, the transition when you think of, you know, not that long ago, as you said, that doctors and physicians were, were reliant solely on their, their individual knowledge. Now having the access to these mass sums of data sets, it's only going to result in more accurate, better decision making, which we all benefit from. Um, you and I were speaking previously, um, and, and one of the things that I was interested in is what's kept you so engaged for so long in one particular area. And as your role has evolved into now head of all things data and analytics, what do you enjoy most about your job? You, you gave us some insight there in, into what you're uh, excited about. But when you think of all of the various responsibilities you have, what do you love doing the most? I love the collaboration, honestly. Um, as, as you think about the disciplines that, that it takes to operate a health system, for example, there are many, many, many of them. And they all are driven on different levels and different types of, of data and analytics they use to monitor how things are actually, how they're going. Um, if you think about specialties, for example, um, cardiologist doesn't go do um, orthopedic surgery, the orthopedic surgery guy's not doing endocrinology, doesn't mean they don't have support competencies that overlap, but they really specialize. And if you think about that, that kind of complexity exists in virtually every aspect of the health system. Environmental services, they look at a very specific set of things that the clinicians aren't looking at. But nonetheless, they actually have to have data available to manage effectively. They have to be able to see are the cooling systems working appropriately? What's, what are the temperatures inside of the facilities? Um, the refrigeration units are those things that get optimal temperatures. Uh, having the technology to measure those things is also generating a massive data footprint. <laughs> so when those things can, can need to come together, like in the situation we just found ourselves in with COVID-19, the question was asked by one of our physician leaders in the, in the infectious disease space, um, we want to understand how effective our PPE is, but one of the factors we want to understand is which of our, um, what kind of AC units to, are, are operating in our different facilities? What kind of ventilation is there? Because those are factors they need to understand to figure out if, if the PPE is really working effectively or not. It's not just, do you have a good mask or do you not have a good mask? There's just other factors. I had not thought of those things, but now I would see, okay, though, there's a need for us to be able to link that information together to be able to paint the picture of what's really happening. Um, and the dependency on having that ability is much more significant than I ever imagined. It. Amazing. Uh, that's just one example. Yeah. Um, but there's just tons of them where, you know, whether it's the customer experience from operating in the, in, walking into an ambulatory center 
um, for your, your uh, just to see a physician. What's it like? We actually are, we, we have a whole department that's dedicated to looking at things through the lens of the patient. They walk through this, the facilities with our senior executive team frequently just to look at it. Like, what's it like to be a patient here? Is it noisy? Is the wayfinding easy? Can you, is the signage good? Uh, is, is it clean? Um, are, are patients being greeted properly? Um, all of that. And then we have this feedback mechanism that's mandated. So we're also always getting information back on how we're doing from a survey perspective. And so bringing that information into the mix as well to be able to say, okay, we're really focused on trying to do the right thing to make things better and easier for the patient. But we've got real-time feedback coming in that we need to react to. And, you know, we're, we're being measured by that. Um, if you're familiar with the STAR ratings program in healthcare, that gets published uh, by CMS. So it kind of grades us on a lot of different areas, quality, patient experience. Um, yeah, so you can see the impact you're having, good or, good or bad or indifferent, which is, which is great. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I think for me, that's what kind of drives me. And I'm excited about it because the size of the health system and the way it's grown for acquisition has made it really, really challenging to get integrate all the data sources yeah. to the level that we can really see what's going on yeah. across the whole organization. You talked about collaboration being one, one of the things you love most about your job. And I want to finish on getting your take on how to collaborate with your, your managing managers who are managing managers who are managing individuals. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of collaboration. And, you know, you're very much the... Uh, the conductor of a massive orchestra. So how have you been able to keep the, all the parts moving? And I want to add a second to that is as you build a team and you help managers become better leaders, what are the key things that you look for in order to make it all come together? So I think there's a, there's a number of different things that, that go on. But I think the first thing that's, that it really worked on it. First of all, when I got here, I was met with some really good leaders, and I, I've been very fortunate. So, full stop. Can't I'm not taking credit for these guys. <laughs> they were good before I met them. <laughs> so, so that that being said, I, I think from a vision standpoint, constantly putting putting the vision out there. That what our role is to really make patient care easier for the ones that are really directly doing that. that, that Care. And so everything that we need to do to, to make that happen is that that's always the mission. And there's an understanding that people have needs for data. Um, every place I've ever been, people have always said their biggest challenge is access to data. Um, and that's certainly been true here. And so our, our job is to make sure that we're making the data available and finding ways to deliver it um, for, the, for everyone to do their, their normal jobs. Um, we get called on on a regular basis for people that are doing uh, quality informatics. We get called on for folks doing logistics, um, emergency services, there's patient satisfaction. There are teams that are dedicated in those verticals doing the analytics. Um, and so our objective is to always find the level that we can engage. So if you come to us for help, the answer is not no, we can't help you. And I really made sure that my management team understands we don't say no. We ask, we ask the right questions and we figure out what level can we engage to support what they're trying to do. Because what they're trying to do is legitimate. It's the charge that they've, they've been given. And our job is, is really a support function. Come alongside them, figure it out. Even if 
it's you know what all I all I can do is I can connect them to management where some of the, the details need to be gathered to move their project forward. But whatever that level is, we find the level that we can engage and support them. Being willing to always uh, step up and provide some level of assistance and help establishes a level of goodwill that we actually need. Because now when we come into a crisis situation like we just found ourselves in, it was really easy for me to get help. My team knew who to call, and everyone knew they could call my team um, because we just kind of established that relationship. And it's not about competition. Our role is to try to enable as many people as we can to be successful. Chris, this has been amazing. Uh, um, Chris, thank you so much for this. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to our next interview. Thanks so much, JP. It's been a pleasure. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. For more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all the members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.